Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Everyday Saturday podcast. Sam Crowley here with my friend, Phil, and he's not just my friend, Phil. He <laughs> is my pastor. Uh-oh, we got a pastor on the podcast. <laughs> What's going on? I know there's people thinking right now that if you're Sam Crowley's pastor, you have already got your ticket punched to heaven. Okay, so <laughs> with, <laughs> with that being said, Phil Postuma, great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. It is awesome to be here, and thanks for inviting me. And I hope this is helpful, you know, for your listeners and even to us as we as we talk about uh, the matters you're going to bring today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Phil and I. I don't know if you remember. I met you. I think it was back in 2015. Um, we had started going to M- well, we started going to MCC back in 2004. Then we left for a little while. We came. But it's oh, by the way, Phil is the pastor of Montgomery Community Church. You probably mentioned that here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and. Um, I remember like, wow, okay, this is a solid guy. Like, first of all, as a Christian, all I do is judge other people. So that sounds about normal, right? I mean, we just, we size them up. And is this pastor good for me? Because if he's not a good pastor and he doesn't make me laugh and he's got a personality, I can't go to church, you know? And so I think that's, uh, that's pretty wild. Phil, when you see, when you see now of pastors and I, I let's just start right there because I don't really have you know this whole list of questions I want to ask you as an outline but what is it about how we choose the church we go to based on the pastor you know what I mean yeah you know that is I was just reading about this the other day uh, Sky Jathani uh one of my favorite authors was talking about how we live in a kind of a consumeristic you know society and so people many times in their churches they're looking at it based on you know the, the consumer you know like wh- what could I get from it like do I like this person what can I get from what they're doing and so we kind of many times go to church in, in, in that mentality but I think uh, you know what I've seen in you and I've seen in others is yeah there's there's some of that that we, we do because we live in America and uh, we kind of trained to think in this way but once we got to kind of get past that you know what's deeper there you know what is it really that because we can't just look at church in terms of what we get from it because as christians we're called to give we're called yeah. to kind of utilize the gifts that god has given us really to benefit others and ultimately i think what your podcast is about is kind of talking to people who have been gifted really i believe by god uh, to be entrepreneurs to start new things and and ultimately i think that's at the heartbeat of a lot of what we should be talking about because i believe of course as a pastor and a christian that god made us in his image and one huge aspect of being you know representing his image to this world is that he is a creator 
And therefore, he has certainly called certain people and made certain people to create. And so at the heartbeat of it all is what has God made me to do? Uh, He loves me. I made it his image. So how do I represent that to others in this world? And I think that's I think bottom line, that's what people are looking for when they go to a church. Sometimes they're just not sure that's what they're looking for. But deep down, I think that's what it is. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's a great answer to that. When you think of um, here's the good news. I don't know every verse in the Bible, but Phil does. So when I say something like, <laughs> Phil, where is it in the Bible that says we shall work for the Lord? And where I want to frame this as I'm in a job. I, I hate my job. Well, you should be working for the Lord. Yeah, but my boss is a jerk. How do you how do you like make those two? Do you quit your job? Do you look for another job? Do you just go, I'm working for the Lord, regardless of how my boss treats me? Love the question. And I think um, kind of deep down, a deeper level to that is many times, um, and I've, I've had situations where I'm working for somebody too, and I don't really understand them, don't really get them. Uh, but deep down, what am I supposed to be learning from this? You know, because if we um, always look at it in terms of like, you know, I don't like my boss, I don't like my job, um, you know, maybe it's not the right fit. But in the meantime, what am I to be learning from this? One, one person told me some years ago that one of their questions when they're living in a moment or in a spot or in a season that doesn't seem right for them, they said, you know, the question I ask myself is, what does humility ask of me in this moment? And so mm-hmm. even if we're working for somebody we don't like, we don't understand, or we're in a job that's not really a right fit for us, um, you know, first of all, I think to be thankful for what we have in that moment, even if it doesn't seem right. Because when we operate from a very thankful place, uh, our next employer or whatever it's going to be, they're going to pick that up. Uh, yeah. But they'll also pick up a forbidder, right? And so that can close doors as well. So first of all, to be thankful that, man, I, Thank you, God, for where you have me. Thank you that I have the income. Thank you that I'm able to even, you know, work with these people that I work with, even if I don't get them or understand them all. Thank you. And then what am I to learn in this season right now? What is God really trying to teach me? And I think if we live with that attitude, those two things very much at the core, I think there's doors that will open for us in the future more so than not uh, when we live kind of from a bitter place or a disgruntled kind of a place. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, because it carries with you no matter where you go. Yes. You know? be- that season that you may be bitter now, not everything is roses at, you know, the grass is always greener type of mentality right. at a different place. And you're soon going to maybe try to be bitter again. And if you've managed that in the past, that's a that's a better muscle to flex. I agree with that. Um, money, God yeah. and money. All right. So mm-hmm. here's what I believe. <laughs> I shouldn't even say it that way. Here's my because that what I believe, what I believe doesn't matter. But you know, growing up without a lot of money, I always thought it would be cool to get a lot of money. You know, sure. and now that I'm older, I'll, I'll be 56 years old in June. And my thoughts have not changed around. I would really, I, I, I don't see any problem with being wealthy, but I don't want it for the boat. I don't the yacht or the right. you know the McMansion. I mean, you've been to my home. You know, we live in a 200 year old yeah. farmhouse. You know. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't have nice houses either. And so I, I think you kind of know where I'm going with this question because it's, it's all like scattered in people's minds. Like I'm a Christian, so I should not want money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And no, I think that um, first of all, God made us, he gifted us. We're supposed to use those gifts uh, to, to really benefit others, but also in using those gifts, uh, we, we get blessed along the way. 
And so I think sometimes uh, we think that money is evil, right? It's not the money itself, it's what lies behind, the motivation behind the money. Uh, in fact, yeah. I'm actually speaking on this this weekend, right? And uh, this this rich young guy, you know, he wants eternal life. And, and, and Jesus says, well, you know, uh, the problem is that the motivation behind the money that you have, you're missing the, the big point because your motivation basically is wrong. And so, you know, the idea is if, you know, if I can use my gifts, if I can start a business, for example, and that business can be successful, and then if I can use that, the money I make, not just to support my family, which is a great thing, but if I could use the money that I make from that, from being creative, from living this out, from living out the gifts that God has given me, and I can actually benefit others. I can bless others with what I have. There, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I would say that's incredibly a right attitude to have. Uh, but I think if we really are just about trying to increase our territory, kind of increase our setting, a bigger house, a, you know, bigger boat, the next thing, um, there's not a lot of joy in that. In fact, study after study will show that people who live in that manner are some of the most unhappy people in this world. Yeah, but Phil... You only say that because you don't know what it's like to have a lot of money. It's always the people that don't have it that say money isn't everything. Yeah, I grew up with nothing, too. My father was disabled when I was 10 years old. You know, I remember working in junior high school and high school, even buying my own clothes, sometimes food, um, you know, helping to support my family along the way. So I come from kind of very humble uh, beginnings, if you will. Um, yeah, it, there's this thing about, you know, um, we need enough to live, right? And so I, I get it why somebody would want to have more if they don't have enough. And in that, those are very hard times for people. And I think that's an opportunity for those who have more uh, to give and to support and yeah. to encourage others in who they are and who God's made them to be and maybe help open up the doors for others. That's what people did in my life. I, I'm a yeah. result of that in my life. I, I remember... You know, there was a successful businessman, very successful businessman. When I was a freshman in college, they sent me money every single week so that I could actually just like go to the movies or go out to eat or, or have some fun because they knew I was paying my way through college, but they, they benefited me. I remember people yeah. when I was very young and they wanted me to, you know, kind of experience something. So they raised a bunch of money for me to, to go out to Denver and to experience, you know, in the music world, some things that hugely benefited me. And so I think when we are, quote unquote, successful and we're making you know, a good amount of money, I, boy, if we could be looking around who we can bless, who we can help, who we can encourage. And I'll tell you what, uh, that really, and in one sense, really is being the hand of God to somebody. It's really how we're supposed yeah. to live, how we're meant to live. And when we step into that, the joy we have, the peace we have is immense. That not that it, though? I'll tell you what, I've never felt bad giving my money away you know what i mean nope. i've never i've always felt amazing whether it's and look i'm talking about when i was going through a bankruptcy buying a bicycle for an eight-year-old whose mm -hmm. family attended mcc but you know and i felt amazing but it was only like a hundred dollars but that hundred dollars was almost all i had at the time but it meant yep. everything to that family i've never regretted blessing somebody with money you know exactly Okay. And that's why I encourage entrepreneurs, you know, and we've seen that before in other businesses that have been started along the way. Like you buy these shoes and, you know, 10% of the money made goes to people without shoes or whatever it is. But I, for entrepreneurs to start from the very beginning, not as an add-on, 
but it's from the very beginning, the heart is, you know, a portion of what I'm going to make, I'm going to give away. I'm going to give away to others because, as I said earlier, we're all made in the image of God. So let's treat people that way. And let's even build our businesses that way to benefit others and esteem others as we do. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. I want to kind of stay on that supporting others, but transition Mm -hmm. to going through hardship, real hardship. Like, Phil, I just lost my spouse of 20 years to pancreatic cancer. This is just a hypothetical, obviously. But Mm -hmm. why does God take such a good person from this earth and will leave a criminal on the streets (laughs) to do bad things and took my spouse, the salt of the earth from me, what God would do that, Phil? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, yeah, that's, that's, that's a deeper, that's one of the heartbeat questions really for people is, you know, why do good people suffer? You know, why is there suffering? Mm -hmm. And then why do good people suffer? Um, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, in the beginning of Genesis, you know, God created everything and he called it good. You know, he called it good. And and yet in the goodness that he made, he made it possible for us to make choices that bring about a, a lot of pain sometimes in our lives. So we see that from the very beginning of Genesis, we see the fact that God made us not so he controls us, but so that uh, he can use the gifts he's given us to benefit this world and others. Right. And to honor him along the way. Uh, but certainly he's made us with a mind and, and choices that we can make. And that many times leads to good things. Many times, though, it leads to bad things. And so there's pain in this world. There's struggle in this world. Jesus said, you know, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Uh, you are. Uh, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So we're saying, ultimately, you know, you can find life through me, everlasting life through me. And so sometimes I think we, we miss Really, the ultimate message is that God made us, he loves us, and ultimately he wants us to be with him. And this life is more about this moment or the next week or the next month. It's about our forever. And so if we have a forever attitude, the idea that, yeah, we live in a world that has struggle, that has trouble, many times it's because our own choices. In fact, studies show that the majority of the pain we have in our lives is a result of our own choices. We tend to want to blame others, but it's a result of our own choices. And so, yes, in, in addition to that, we have sickness. We have trouble. Jesus said we would because we don't live in a perfect world. But the idea is that he's calling us to an eternal life that, that is more than just good. It's perfect. And it's how um, he, he really wanted things to be from the very beginning. And so I would encourage people in the middle of that pain not to compare, you know, I'm good. Why am I suffering? Why is this bad person? Why, why are they living a good moment right now? Why is that? Yeah. Um, Ecclesiastes tells mm-hmm. us that to everything, there's a season and time and a purpose under heaven. And so uh, we don't understand all the ways. We don't understand everything that's happening. But if we understand that ultimately life is not just about this moment, but about our forever, um, we'll live mm-hmm. with a more you know, eternal perspective, uh, maybe a healthier mindset. Uh, than we can get to when we struggle. And I've been there. Yeah, I've been there many times yeah. and struggled immensely. Uh, but if I have the big picture in mind rather than the small picture, um, my heart is very different and my life is very different. My attitude is very different. And but if I live in the small picture, just my here and now, and I look in the mirror every day about my struggle and what I'm facing and how unfair I think it is and why do these people not have this and I do and, and all of this, we have to realize that God created us 
He loves us. He's, he's, we are only here for a period of time anyway. Uh, this, yeah. is not a, this is not our everlasting life right here. And we sometimes tend to forget that. So I think live with the big picture, the end in mind, and, and don't focus so much on ourselves. Because again, it comes back to what we said earlier. What about others? How could God use our pain, even our pain, to bless and benefit others? Because he can. And there's story after story, movie after movie, made about people who struggled and the immense blessing they were to others as a result of their struggle. So I'd encourage people in the middle of their pain, as difficult as it is, and I've been there too, to look at it and go, you know, what does humility demand of me at this moment? How can my life, how can my pain be used to benefit someone else? And if we live with that attitude, we're not going to be filled with bitterness. I think we'll be filled with blessing. Yeah, I love it. You know, I think of death a lot. I think about death a lot, you know, and I don't know because now I'm, you know, older in life, you know, 55 years old. And I think, you know, if you look at the mortality rates of a male in the United States, you you might Mm -hmm. get to 78, maybe 80, you know, I know, I know people live longer than that, but I feel life closing. And I mean, look, it's just the obvious. I'm not stating anything not true. I mean, 55 into 80, that's about two thirds of your life or so, you know, I'm not right. a math major, but my point is that motivates me a lot to yeah. do things that I would not normally try because what the heck? I mean, you know, I'll be dead in 25 years anyway. Do you find death to be a motivator or do you, because of your eternal view on this, as we should have as Christians, eternal life, do you view it like, well, you know what? I'm more focused on eternity than making things happen in the natural. And I and I see that the the sands of the hourglass ticking away. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And let me let me kind of approach it this way, because what I do, uh, you know, talk with a lot of people or they talk with me. Um, I encounter so many people that are in the last you know five years of their life, you know, saying I'm ready. You know, I mean, whenever mm-hmm. God wants to call me, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for the future. Um, and I, I've talked to so many people who have that mindset to actually say these, these things. Uh, because I think sometimes when we get towards those final years of our life, we realize and we look back at, at all, the, all the things and all the ways we thought, um, all the, the ways we thought that actually robbed us really of the joy we could have experienced, the impact we could have experienced. And we, we, we could go back and look at a hundred different situations that we go, man, I, I wish I would have approached that differently or thought about that differently. And, and so in talking with people towards the end you know, stages, maybe the end chapter, of their life and that their perspective about saying, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Why does God still have me here? I'm ready. I've heard all these things. (laughs) It's inspired me to go, okay, what am I doing with my life now? What what am I doing with the life that God has given me now? And looking at every moment as an opportunity. Uh, You've been around the church. You know, I've I've said this a hundred times, you know, that we would live with eyes wide open, looking for the opportunities all around us every day to be Jesus to somebody where we are. And if we live in that way, we are, we are preparing ourselves really for not even you know, a better life now and a more fulfilling life now, but if we're actually you know, representing Jesus and following Jesus, we are really preparing ourselves and we're already part of what he calls eternal life. We're living it right now and preparing for just to expand and continue uh, when this particular physical life is over. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so I think about that. I think of a lot of fear, worry, doubt, anxiety inside, you know, inside yeah. the church. But if we truly have Jesus inside of us, and I'm not saying I don't have fear and worry, but I get a lot of people ask me, you know, you just don't seem to be phased. Like you'll take a huge risk. And I feel like, like I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. that makes me bulletproof, but I like mm -hmm. my odds. You know, mm -hmm. I like my odds when I have the Holy Spirit inside of me because I feel like I've got like, I'm not God, but I know God is inside of me, you mm -hmm. know? And so mm -hmm. if God is, if God is with me, it doesn't mean that if I walk out in front of a bus, I'm not going to get hit. I'm not that dumb. Right. But I take a lot of, I don't have a lot of fear, a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, because I know that I have the Holy Spirit with me. Is that naive or not? Great question. You know, as you're talking, I think about uh, some conversations that people have had with me. Um, people who have walked away from their faith, people who've left it all together, people who have gone from believing in God to being atheists, or then maybe gone from, oh, okay, um, I don't believe that anymore. I believe that, you know, there's different paths to God, or there's so many different gods, or however they approach that. And as people journey through that, and I can just speak to the experiences that I've had with, with people, I can think of one conversation just recently uh, I had with someone who just openly shared with me, because they had left their faith, they had left God, and they said, you know what? I'm struggling with any sense of purpose in my life. Um, you know, I, I don't know where to find it. I don't even know why I'm here. Um, and, you know, and they were struggling, crying, you know, but they're just wrestling with, with their faith. Uh, because what faith do they have? What is it now? Because they tried a variety of different things. Uh, yeah. But the further they've walked that path away from God, the one who made them, the more they kind of wonder who in the world they are and what their purpose is. And so I don't think it's naive at all for you to say what you're saying, uh, because it's become popular in our culture now to, in a sense, even uh, many times people think I am God or I'm part of God or, um, you know, God right. is the universe or all these different things. Uh, in a essence, really separating themselves from God. And I think when we walk humbly, uh, when we walk with this uh, idea and this notion and this truth that God made me. And if I'm going to have any sense of purpose in this life, if I'm going to have any fulfillment, any joy in this life, I can't live apart from the one who made me. Because if I try, yeah. and he's certainly given me that option. He's given me a mind and I can choose what I want to choose. But if I try to live apart from him, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to know who I am because I'm his creation. Yeah. So it all comes yeah. back to, you know, my relationship with God, someone else's relationship with God. And then out of that relationship, using all that he's given us, uh, whether it's in business and just daily life, uh, to represent his love, uh, who he is to others. Yeah, you know, I get that a lot. I've being in the uh, in the speaker circuit for so yeah. long, I've been into a lot of events where this phrase gets used a lot. Hey, uh, higher source, whatever you believe in, God, universe, mm -hmm. higher source. I cut that right out. I, mm -hmm. I cannot go down that road. I will not because people will try. Um, Sam, you know, like what? I mean, whether you believe in God, the universe, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not good. That's not me. It's I believe in God, and that really bothers me. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but people are so willing to just because they want to play to all the different uh, 
thought processes out there right. in the world. And when you're a speaker and you're on stage, there's going to be people that don't believe in God. They're not, which is totally fine. I'm not there to right. evangelize necessarily. Right. I'm not there to convert. I'm there to give a presentation about how to start a podcast. I'm not there right. to bring people to Christ, <laughs> right. but I'm also not there to acquiesce to, eh, it's either God or universe. And I think in today's society, and I know I'm sounding old now because I sound just like my mom, but I'm not... I am not getting knocked off of that thought process that I have, what I believe that it's, you know, it can be God, it can be the universe, it could be a head of lettuce that's called Bob and you worship that. I, yeah. I think we're, I think that's going down a real dangerous road, Phil. And, and it is. And I think the reason why it's so dangerous is because ultimately when we sit in a seat um, and we sit in a seat and we decide who God is, or how many gods yeah. there are, or what God is, and or what's all these different things. Um, who is really God in that, or who's acting like they are, is the one who's deciding who God is. Um, and I think that, you know, the humble path, filling path, I mean, where it all starts really is this belief in God, that I am his creation. He made me, he loves me, he's given me gifts to use in this life it all needs i believe to start from there and then there's a lot more that that can be part of what it means to be a christian what it means to really walk with, with, with god but if we don't start there if we don't start with the idea that i am blessed to be made by god i've been made unique by him i'm loved by him cherished by him thank you god that i have breath i pray that prayer thank you lord for life for breath for every moment that you've given me and we live out of that grateful attitude that God in his goodness chose to make me and he chose to make you and he chose to make all those who are listening or will be watching. If we start there from that humble place, I'll tell you what, joy certainly is possible. And there's even a greater joy that's found when we actually walk with him and, and live for him. Uh, that's a whole that's a whole other thing we could talk about. But it needs to start with the fact that I'm his creation. Thank you, God, for this life. Thank you for what you've given me today. Help me to use today uh, in, in, a, in a greater way, really ultimately, God, for your purposes and, and what you would want of me. And if we live with that heartbeat, that's a great place to start. And it's a great life uh, to be living. Yeah, so good. So good. Uh, Sam Crowley chatting with Pastor Phil Postuma from Montgomery Community Church. Uh, happens to be the church that I go to. Phil, I was in church on Sunday. I saw you and your beautiful bride, Carol. And I looked at your wife and I looked around church and I said, wow, this is filled up again pretty good since mm -hmm. COVID, you know, for yes. example. You know, COVID hit and things just went bonkers, you know. Yes. And I looked around the church this past Sunday. It looked like it did pre-COVID, at least to yeah. me. I don't know what the numbers yeah. are, but it just, I felt the energy. And so my question is, is there is it okay to do church online now, Phil? I mean, look, it's 2024. Everybody's got a, a device and I can watch you online. Or should I be in the house of the Lord physically there? Is there a difference? Great question. Great question. Well, certainly um, there are people who travel, people on the move, uh, people on vacation. You know, we are a very uh, mobile society these days. So, I mean, certainly, um, you know, being part of church um, online is, is, is not a bad thing. I would encourage people, though, if, if that is uh, one of the means they use to embrace their faith and to, and to grow in their faith, that again, we don't approach it like a consumer. So today I'm watching this person, next time I'm watching that person, and then I'm gonna watch this person uh, because we're actually not being part of community when we do that. And the thing is that we miss out on the fact is that 
Yes, God made us, and he made us for community. He made us to be with one another. Uh, you know, God being the Trinity uh, is an example of the fact that we're made in his image, and we are made for community. And so when we live a life where, hey, I'm just watching church online, I've got 10 different pastors I watch, and, and that, that's my church. Well, no, church is community. So I'd say, first of all, to those who use, you know, the online vehicle really to be part of church, I would, I would encourage them to say, you know what, focus on a church and, and not just listen, but then be part of it. Go serve when they have serving opportunities. Be part of, you know, if there's a parenting class or be, be part of what's going on. But I say ultimately, even deeper than that is God has hardwired us for community to be with one another. And so if we choose the online church as our only means, um, Jesus, you know, when he called his disciple, he, he called a group of people to follow him. And not just one. So yeah. if I'm living this idea, it's just me and God. Um, well, well, no, no, God made others who are made in his image so we can be with them and grow with them, be sharpened by them, be changed really ultimately by them. Uh, it's a whole process of how we grow with one another. And so I would say, man, wherever you are, um, find a church and be part of that community. Grow with one another in community because that's the deeper life. That's the deeper life he's called us to. And we're hardwired by him for that. So community is really yeah. so essential. So I'm, I'm thankful we see more and more people coming back, and that's wonderful. But boy, boy, um, be part of community, even if you're traveling. Even, I've talked to people who travel constantly. Like I say, it's hard for them to be you know, in an actual church. Uh, well, yeah. then choose one. Be part of one. It doesn't mean you can't listen to some people here and there. I mean, I read all these different authors, too. Um, but be part of a church to the extent that you can, whatever your lifestyle is like. Be part of that community. God wants you to yeah. grow you through that community. <laughs> do you think looking back, speaking of COVID, do you think looking back a few years ago, do you think the church got it right? Meaning, you know, doing parking lot church and nobody went inside and then not only doing, you know, online church or should we have, I'm not saying this for any other reason. This is just off the like top of my head. So this is just mm -hmm. probably bad verse, but should we have walked the walk and say, Hey, I don't fear a virus. I'm, I'm made in the image of God. Like I'm going to mm -hmm. go into the church. But now my church is closed. Why aren't they walking the walk? I mean, do you think we did it right? Do you think we got it right? I mean, what did we uh, what did we learn? And why were so many churches giving mixed mess different messages like, we're not going to stop church. God, this is God's house. There's no virus can live in here. Or church is shut down until further notice. You know, it just seemed to be a lot of different. Mm -hmm. well, we're all in the we're all Christians. Why didn't we all just act the same? Yeah, yeah, you know, I've heard it. You know, I we have faith you don't have faith or, you know, these comparisons and things, right? Um, you know, Paul, and, and Jesus, of course, flipped this out, and then Paul is just speaking on it. You know, the Bible clearly talks about putting others before ourselves, putting others before ourselves. And, and that's a daily thing that we should be doing to put somebody else before ourselves. That's hard to do, even harder to do in our society where it's a me-focused society. But again, we need to be living daily to put others before ourselves. And, and that shows up in a variety of different ways. And I just, I'm a big believer that even in the, in the midst of a confusing time, you know, as, as a church, as a body of believers, we need to be thinking, okay, um, what does it look like to put others before ourselves right now? I, I, I certainly believe this, 
And I think sometimes what that person believes, I, I don't really understand why they're struggling in the way that they are, but there seems to be a variety, a variety of people who are. So what does it mean? What, what options? And that's what we try to do. We try to say, okay, well, we've got a parking lot service. We've got an online service. We have an inside service. And in doing that, we were saying, we're, we're putting others before ourselves, realizing that right now everyone is confused and we're in a different spot. And so we chose to go, you know, rather than say, this is the way it is. And, and you don't have faith if you don't do this or you do or whatever. Uh, we chose to go, you know what, we're going to put others before ourselves and provide multiple ways right now for people to engage with God. Um, because ultimately, it's really about us helping others to engage with him and to walk with him and know him and love him. And so what vehicles can we use right now in the midst of this confusing time to help people do that? Other people chose to do it differently. Um, but that's why we did what we did, because we believe at the heartbeat, uh, it's others before me. And, and so yeah, that's what drove us. I love that answer. Yeah. I, I just love being back in the, in, in the church. I just, I, 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 I feel more connected being there. I mean, we could watch it online and sometimes we have to, cause our daughter's sick and we don't want to bring, exactly. you know, it's in the church, but boy, I'll tell you, it's really awesome, uh, to be there. And so I want to talk about sin, Phil. This will yeah. get you going. This will get you going. Yeah, Great there you topic. Go. What, what better person to talk about sin than the biggest sinner in your church, Phil? Sam Crowley. So there you go. Subject matter expert right here on the topic of sin. Um, is, is there a sin that will keep us away from eternal life with God? You know, that's a great question. I think the the ultimate sin is just saying, and it goes right back to the beginning of Genesis all the way through the Bible and, and the culture as well. Uh, the ultimate, I think, sin is saying, I'm God. I'm going to live my mm -hmm. life my way, do it my thing, and don't question me. I'm just going to do it this way because I can. Because I can. Um, so I think the the ultimate thing is the, the sin of just really ultimately denying him. Uh, it's, it's like saying, well, you... You made me, but I'm not even going to acknowledge the fact that you did. And I'm not going to live in a way in which you are who you are. And so, yeah, I think that that sin of rejection of the one who made us um, is, you know, that's why Jesus says, you know, and Matthew says, you know, depart from me. I, I don't I don't know you. And the reason why, because you didn't know me. You, you didn't want to know me. You didn't really live. Um, again, it comes back to our choices. God gave us choices. You can go this way or that way, uh, but we're accountable ultimately for our choices and he will respect uh, our choices uh, to the very end and he will respect our choice to deny him to live apart from him as much as it hurts him uh, because he made us with the minds and he made us with these choices and if not we would say well how could God be loving if he made us robots uh, you know we're all going to love him because he made us that way and that's the only choice we have he made us with choices to love him or or to go apart from him but ultimately, at the end, uh, that sin that keeps us from him is the very sin of uh, really walking our own path, doing our own thing, living in essence, although we might not say it, but like, like we're God. And I'm not going to yeah. acknowledge him as being God. Yeah. When you look at, for example, like the Ten Commandments, and yeah. these are the commandments from God, is are they all viewed equally? I'll give you an example. Is committing murder the same as telling somebody, hey, I'm going to be 15 minutes to lunch today, even though you know you're going to be 30 minutes. That's a lie. You're lying. Mm -hmm. That's a commandment. Mm -hmm. Is murder viewed upon it the same as that scenario? Right? Are they all equally weighted? 
Well, if we're going to be really honest about how we have often approached it as Christians, and I'm speaking kind of globally now, we would say up front that all sin is the same. You know, there's no sin that's greater than another. Um, but many times we, cho- we choose to kind of handpick. And we go, yeah, but, that, but these are bigger than those. And we judge yeah. others as, as worse sinners than others. So, and most commonly, Sam, it's because um, the sins that we're most common to do ourselves or we're most prone to do ourselves, uh, we have greater grace for those people. And, um, and then we, we harshly <laughs> judge others that we don't understand their thing at all. Like, how in the world could they yeah. do that? Like, that's just so How could so they awful. do that? How could they yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. so... So to God, sin is sin. Um, We also have to be really honest about that subject, though, and go, uh, not all sin, well, I'll say it this way. Uh, Well, sin comes in a variety of different shapes and packages and forms. Um, Some sin has greater effect because some some of our choices just impact us, right? Mm -hmm. Some choices that we make to do wrong impact our marriage. Uh, some choices we do would impact our family. Some choices we would choose would would hurt everybody in the workplace where we are. It would do damage to the place where we work, not just to our boss, but to our fellow employees. I mean, so sin is sin, but not all sin is equal in the impact that it makes. Yeah. And and yeah. so we have to look at that and go, wow, that's why we have to step, and that's why we have a judicial system, right? Because there are sins for which, right? I. I, I, I was 10 miles over the speed limit, so I got stopped and got a ticket, as opposed to a sin of, of taking someone's life. And yeah. we have that, a system in place, and we saw that in the Old Testament in the Bible as well, but uh, the idea is because not all sin has equal impact. Some sin has much greater impact. And so therefore, because we love each other, because we value one another, we sometimes have to protect uh, the, the greater group from someone who's prone to, to act in a sinful way that actually causes great damage. Yeah, no, I get it, man. I get it. And, uh, you know, I said that a bit, a bit tongue in cheek, you know, mm-hmm. telling a little white lie versus, you know, <laughs> right. um, committing murder and something like that. But I think, you know, as a Christian, I get those questions. Um, it, it also from my, you know, my kids, you know, my nine-year-old, for example, you know, I told them, is there a, uh, so speaking of that, is there any sin uh, besides blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what you would describe mm-hmm. denying God, yes. um, a lot of a lot of Christians, and I've been guilty of this. I'm like, oh boy, I'll ask God for forgiveness after this, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. how do we? Because I don't want to go to hell. I want to be with God. I want I want eternal life with God. And so, is it as simple as after you commit a sin? asking forgiveness for God and the slate is wiped clean and you're good, man. You, you're still on that path to heaven. Yeah. You know, Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son for a reason, right? Because the son um, basically says to the father, you know what? I want my inheritance now. Uh, not, I don't want to wait till after you die. In fact, you're pretty much dead to me, which is why I want my inheritance now. And so from the very beginning, he's wronging the father and then he takes everything and the father actually gives it to him. And, and then he takes everything and completely squanders it to the fact he's just lost everything. He has no life now living with the pigs. And so then he's, you know, he's, he says, okay, I, even my dad's servants have it better than I do. So I'm going to go back and maybe I could at least live that kind of lifestyle. 
And then the beautiful thing that Christ tells this parable is that the father's already waiting in the field. Every day, the father's going out, just looking, waiting for the son to come back. And, and so he, he tells this for a variety of different reasons. But I think what we, what we gather there is we have, God is incredibly loving. God is incredibly forgiving. Our part in that is the humility it takes to say I was wrong. Our part is to say, Lord, I, I've done wrong. Can, will you please forgive me? Uh, and, and while that sounds simple, uh, many times we don't ever want to admit we're wrong about anything. Uh, we will do wrong to our spouse. We'll do wrong to a coworker. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll say bad things about our boss. Whatever it is, we will just do it knowing that we shouldn't be doing it. And we just do it. And we don't like anyone calling us out for it because we don't want to admit that we're wrong about anything. And so um, humility, um, it's not a long word, doesn't have a lot of letters to it, really, when you compare it to the size of other words, but it's a huge word that we wrestle with. We wrestle with. And yet when somebody comes to the place that they humbly say, you know what, God, I, I knew I was doing wrong when I was doing it. You know what, God, you, you, and you knew that, you saw that already, and yet you're waiting out in the yeah. waiting for me to yeah. come back to my senses. And ultimately, God is a forgiving God. But here's the mistake I think that many people make. They would just say, God's forgiving, so I can do whatever I want. You know, in the end, I'm just, I'm all set with him. I can just do whatever I want. That's a very pride-filled life. It says, I'm over God. And so God is just, he is just happy that I acknowledge that he even exists. And so, I mean, because <laughs> I acknowledge that he exists, he's just happy with that. And so I can do whatever yeah. I want. I'm, I'm good. Uh, again, uh, when Jesus says, I don't know you, it's because there was not any humility there to really want for those people to actually want to know him. They're living in their own way, doing great things many times, uh, but doing many other things that weren't great as well, thinking that they're all good. You know, I've done good, so God's good, good with me, and I've done bad, but hey, it's not a big deal. Um, in the end, Jesus is saying, there's no humility there. You, you've not come with a humble heart, a repentant heart. And so in the end, it all, I think it all boils down to humility. It all boils down to repentance. Do you got to get on your hands and knees or can you have a conversation with God in your car about that? In your car, uh, in the park, right? Um, and I, would, I want to add that this is how we should respond to God, but it's also because God made us in his image, it's how we should respond to each other, yeah. right? And so many oh, I don't know, Phil. That's, tough. People have That's a tough one, buddy. That's a tough one. That's tough. Yeah. I can talk to we're God and be to... humble. To... Yeah. yeah. But we have to admit we're wrong. It's hard, right? I, I remember sitting in Israel one day and and this guy who I didn't know, he just sat across the table from me and he starts talking to me. And I don't know why he even shared this with me. I didn't really know him well at all. And he said, there's three words I struggled my whole life. I still struggle. And I, it drives me nuts that I do. It impacts my marriage, it impacts all my relationships, it impacts my relationship with God. And I go, what are your three words? Because I was wrong. Because I still struggle. And uh, you know what? That's where life begins when we say those words. That's when our relationship begins. It gets restored and gets strengthened in our marriages and with our kids. And when we say, you know, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And I'll tell you what, the stronger bond we have after that, it's amazing. 
It's amazing. But what yeah. what's needed to have that stronger bond is this one word called humility, which leads to humility, repentance, which leads to relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I bet when you're in a room, like I know you're talking about being in Israel, but I bet you are the ultimate buzzkill when you walk into a room of people at a party and everybody's asking, <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> Phil, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh my God. Put the drink down. Yeah. <laughs> Did I, did I swear? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. got to happen. That's got to happen. Right? Uh, it happens many times, many times over. <laughs> and uh, it happens many times over. And it's amazing how the language completely clears up. And, and <laughs> how, you know, and how immediately people go, oh, yeah, you know, I went to church. I went to this one church. I went to church. They try to, they try, they try to come up with a story. Yeah, that's that's got to be uh, somebody said to me recently, I was in California. Well, that, you know, that 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 has to be a good thing like um yeah i mean i i, I well we had a pastor marry us so i mean that was a good thing so being a pastor <laughs> that must be it must be good right they're trying their own mind like come up with something good to say about what that is because they didn't really know what that was and and uh, yeah it yeah. is it's one it's the one kind of occupation if you would that that definition um that that seems to stop conversations and yet if we really would take away the label God made us a pastor is somebody who cares for another. He's really called us to be that to everyone around us, that that I would care for you. You would care for me that we would pastor or shepherd, nurture one another. It's what we're really in essence, what he would desire for all of us to operate in that way. We just put a title on it. And and then, you know, we don't know what to do with that. Uh, In essence, that's what we're all, Really, I would be designed by God, made by God uh, to show love for one another, care for one another, concern for one another. And and when love, true love would be that, you know, Sam, if, if I know that you're doing something that's really destructive in your life, that I would love you mm-hmm. enough to, to talk with you about it. And what if there's any way I can help uh, through that? Uh, we've lost sight of that in our society because it's all about me and what I'm doing and what I've just done. And, and we, we've lost sight of uh, the one another that Jesus talks about. Uh, it's really just yeah. ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it is a buzzkill, uh, you know, but I try to turn that around <laughs> uh, to others. And, and like I just said, you know, it's like, you know, but in essence, we're we're all called to care for yeah. one another. We're all yeah. called to do that. And the, yeah. Imagine the world if we did. If I, Imagine if, what it would look like if we did. Hundred percent. So if I understand you correctly, I could now start referring to myself as Pastor Sam and <laughs> just called it a minister. And just, yep. and just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> He's called it a minister. That's fun. Yep. Well, I can I, I can attest. Phil's a normal guy. We've had him and his wife Carol over our house a couple different times. Yeah. So I, I didn't see. I you know it's funny because I think my wife always said, hey because uh, Phil and I go to breakfast as well. We'll grab a cup of coffee yes. and breakfast yeah. and you know be like, did you say anything to him? Like, I, did you act normal or were, were you know did you offend anybody? I'm like, no, I think I was okay. I think I was okay around Phil. I think I, he invited me back for breakfast, so it couldn't have been that bad. You exactly. Know? Been exactly. Yeah. You know, I. I, yeah. I, I love the relationships and the and the conversations i'm able to have with people that they would actually trust me to have those conversations and so every conversation whether it's uh filled with a bunch of swear words whether it's filled with a bunch of bitterness whether it's filled with life and encouragement um and i I look at that like this person sitting across the table um has really entrusted 
me. They, they, yeah. they, they are here and they're sharing with me. So every one of those conversations, I, I deem really as beautiful, is a treasure. And I really try to, you know, respond to those conversations in that way because it's a gift. It's a gift. And every time yeah, no, I'm not with someone, it's a gift. It's, it's, a, it's a, a huge moment, uh, really, that we have uh, to really talk and converse and, and get to know someone. It, it's, a, it's a treasure. And so that, that's how I try to view every conversation that I have. Yeah, I love it. And I feel totally, I mean, when, I mean, when you and I grab breakfast, it's, it's a conversation between a couple of guys. It's not, I yep. don't feel like I'm going to you know, it's not, it's not like that. That that would be a buzzkill if I showed up for breakfast every time we met, and I and it was confession there. Um, so I think the so the last question I got. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I'm yeah. chatting with Pastor Phil Pop, Montgomery Community Church, um, deathbed. Um, yeah. You, this is probably one of the jobs. This is something you do that I could never do. But I'm mm -hmm. sure there's hundreds, if not thousands, of times you've been called to the hospital to, yeah. you know be with the person at their bedside. And is there, is there, are there conversation and I'm not trying to get a person, I don't want names or anything yeah. like that. Is there a common theme? Is there something people ask of you or they, a regret maybe they share with you or something like, is there a common thread woven throughout some of these deathbed meetings that you have with people, Phil? And where I'm going with this, I'm just, again, going back to our life is going to end on earth at some point. And I'm yes. kind of curious, are there, like these deathbed thoughts that people have as they're about to move into eternal life with God. Yeah. Now, there's a couple themes. Um, one theme is, I, I don't know if I've done enough. Did I do enough? Did I do enough? Um, and, and, you know, another one of those uh, themes that I hear from people is they're longing to, to be with the people that mean the most to them throughout their life. They wish they could be there. And I've, I've had people say, well, can you tell so-and-so? Can you share this with them? They can't be here. Can you make sure? Are these, these last conversations, these last words they want to have with someone that they can't have because they can't be there? Um, that's often very common. And for the person who's saying, you know, I, I don't know that I've done enough. I'm not sure I was good enough. I'm just, you know, um, it's the opportunity really to talk about the fact that you know, whatever we have done through our lives, with uh, again, the prodigal son story, it's just a reminder that God, God the Father is waiting in the field. And he's yeah. longing and waiting for us to come to him. That's, that's his love. He's not going to make us do that. But he's longing for us. And, you know, it's never too late. And it's never too late to, to really even to have really that first meaningful conversation with the God who made someone. And so even in the last five minutes of somebody's life, uh, God's waiting for them, loving them, calling out to them. He's not going to make them. But uh, the moment they respond, the moment they come to him again, and that theme of humility, right, and repentance, uh, he's waiting there with open arms. And that's the conversation I would have with that person. What if somebody is walking, driving around, listening to this in their car at the gym, the treadmill? Is there, is there, a, is there a something they can say they want, they want to be in relationship with God. They yeah. want to give their life. How difficult is that to do? Yeah. You know, uh, first of all, I would say it's, it's not a one-time act. It's, it's, the, it's the first step of many steps that you take. Uh, you know, Christ said, come follow me. And so 
it starts with the first step with the second step. You know, I think many times we get it wrong. We've even said it wrong. Like if you just say this, you're all set. Um, no, no, no. It's, 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 it's you're journeying with God. It's, it's a life with God, uh, not just, a, in fact, there's no time you can look at scripture and go, you, you just say this, you're all set. Um, again, that's about me. It's not really about a relationship with him. And so it began by things we've already talked about, really, the idea of saying, you know what, God, I know I've messed up. I know that I have. I've made decisions that haven't been good for me, haven't been good for others, certainly not good for you. Um, and so just come to God humbly and, and acknowledge that and then and just say, Lord, will you forgive me for all those things? Will you forgive me for all those things? I, I desperately want a relationship with you. I've been trying to live apart from you in so many different ways, which has caused me to live apart from others too. Uh, so yeah. Lord, forgive me from that. I, I want a relationship with you. Will you forgive me? Uh, and Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. And, and now I, I just want to follow you. So Lord, will you show me today? I want to live every day. What's my next step with you? And what does that look like? But I, I, that's what I, my heart's desire is. And God will hear that person in that moment. And uh, every step they take uh, with him and towards him, really, uh, from that moment on in their life, is just journeying with God. It's journeying with a Savior. And, and God's waiting in the field, just waiting for us to come to him. And uh, I would urge people to make, you know, make that choice, take that step. That's the beginning of many steps that follow. Yeah, beautiful. I love it. That's a wrap. That's a good, that's a good place to end right there. Uh, Phil, I appreciate your time. I'll see you very soon. Um, yes. I promise to be at church on Sunday. I wonder how many times you hear that too. <laughs> Phil, I wasn't there last week. But I'll be but there. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Phil, it's always great to catch up with you, even though it's on Zoom and you're like five miles from where I'm at right now. Thanks for your time. Awesome, you awesome bet. conversation. I know it's going to bless so many people around the world. So thanks for being on the podcast today. That's a privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for, amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram, at Everyday is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar, go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Everyday is Saturday podcast.